Welcome to episode four of the Unapologists. Today, we continue on with episode three on dealing with teacher burnout. As always, we have the magnificent, wonderful, ever-glowing Christopher Polson, and on this end, Vito McKenzie. So, Chris, <laughs> nice to uh, nice to talk with you again. Uh, it is always a pleasure, my friend. It is absolutely always a pleasure. Always. Now, last week was was kind of heavy. We left off on a pretty, I, I don't want to say negative note, but a pretty deep note. Like we, I think we the the term used was we were peeling our own scabs at that point. We're yeah. really getting at what is it that's causing teachers to say, I've had enough. I can't deal with this. I'm done. And But still continue on in their career because of some dedication to it. And I think today is finally, okay, we discussed it. Let's get into it. Let's jump in. What is it that we can do to sustain ourselves over this career? And let's, first of all, throw aside all the platitudes. You know, you're making change. Keep going. Like, okay, we don't need that. <laughs> like, Yeah, like, just stick it out. That's like, I don't know, to me, that's such like terror. Just stick it out. It'll get better. Um, you know, we all have those years. Yeah, I know. But when you're in the middle of it. it well, that's it. When you're, like, what did I say? I think I said it last, uh, last episode. But uh, no one has good days and no one has bad days. They're either riding high on a wave of greatness or they're spiraling into the abyss. Um, you know, there's no such thing as like when you've realized that you've had a bad day, you've actually probably had a bad like month. And when you've realized you've had a bad month, you probably had a bad like half decade. Um, you know what I mean? Like when you really sit down and you realize it. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Let's, get, let's get rid of that. Like stick it out. Um, yes. Because you know, it's, it's like when your spouse says, you know, I've been thinking this wasn't a thought that just came to your spouse that that time they've been thinking about this for weeks and weeks or months oh, and months. Yeah. And they're going to lay it on you at that point. So that's, that's what I'm thinking of when you say that. So, and, and you're done <laughs> and you're done and you're done. Uh, anyway, let's jump in. So, so uh, first thing, yeah, you take it away. Yeah, no, I was gonna say. I, th I think the first thing we got to establish is that yes, you are a teacher, but you need to set limits. Oh, well, you need to set limits. You want to do it all, and of course you do, but you have to learn how to say no. And and we talked about that last episode. People just don't want to say no, but you have to learn to say no. And What's your strategy for saying no? Uh, you know, that is something that that's, that's actually a really hard question to answer because I am very much a, uh, a yes man and not a yes man in sense of like, I'm going to say yes to everything and I'm going to like, you know, blow smoke. Uh, but in terms of like, if I'm, if I, in an area, if I'm passionate about something, um, I want to be on the ground floor of it. Um, and I think, I think that's something that like, especially young teachers who are like starting their career first 10 years type thing. I think a lot of people like getting in on the ground floor. So saying no to me has been like a very evolving, evolved process. Um, I can remember being that kid in, in your, uh, you know, in your ed and schooling class, when you're at uh, your bachelor of education program or teacher's college or whatever you, you people call it. And I can remember um, 
getting that uh you know the talk that like teaching isn't like any other job because even when you leave the school you're still a teacher you know if you get if you do a bunch of gnarly stuff on the weekend and you're a teacher you know what like it's going to come in like and i think that um we get stuck in uh in teacher mode all the time uh i think part of starting to be able to say no is setting the first limit of actually your job is a teacher your job you you get paid money for teaching but there's when you aren't being a teacher yeah there's often a higher standard in terms of like how you live your personal life in public at least um but being able to understand that like no there are times when you're not a teacher you don't you don't you're not a robot a teach bot um that's the first step in saying no because so many people it's it's i'm a teacher all the time uh and then when you start to realize no i'm not you start to see that there's other things in your life that you can say yes to as opposed to always saying yes at the school um so your hierarchy of yeses, we can call it, um, you know, if you wanted to use like, I actually think it's more like a, like a positive way of looking at it too. your hierarchy of yeses. I'm not saying no to coaching uh, volleyball. I'm saying yes to spending time with my own kids. I'm not saying no to, uh, to, to, you know, chaperoning the dance. I'm saying yes to, I had a really stressful week and I need a break. Um, and that's that evolution that happens as you get a little older. What are the things that are going to take up your yeses? So setting limits starts with prioritizing yourself and your, and your life. I do like that. The progression of yeses or the hierarchy of yeses. Yeah, uh, and, but it's, it goes right back to what you started with. It's about setting limits. You know, it's about setting limits. Because then you understand that, you know, how much you want to be involved in certain areas uh, of, of the school. Yeah, agreed. And even the teaching practice itself, I could literally spend 100 hours a week just lesson planning. I love yeah. that. Coming up with assignments and tasks and just fun lessons for my students. I could literally spend 100 hours a week doing that. I, it occupies my mind all day, every day. And... I had to set a limit to that too, to the uh, one thing I had I did for myself to say no, to set a limit. And this is uh, something I learned from Angela Watson, uh, Truth For Teachers, if you ever get a chance to check that out, is I spend one day a week now lesson planning and I plan for the week because that's why I place a limit on myself. Otherwise, I'm like, you know, kids are in bed and rather than saying, okay, I'm gonna relax and wine, spend time with my wife, talk with her and, build that relationship i'm like okay i'm going to go down and, and lesson plan some more uh, and think of other things to do and mm -hmm. put this assignment together and spend 60 hours tweaking margins on a, on a google doc you know, like yeah I, I i literally had to say okay no thursday is my day i go all out lesson planning for the week uh you know i get my ideas going and i sh and i punt it to thursday mm -hmm. and thursday is when i plan for the week and that's my day to plan and then the rest of the time is, is off limits. I love it. I love it. And, and so what you've done too in, in doing that is you've said, you've set a few 
you've, you've set a few kind of invisible limits for yourself because there's the limit on like, okay, Thursday's going to be it. But then you also say, you know what? I'm saying yes to this being a part of my life, which means I also need to be ready and organized for Thursday so I can be more effective on the day because I know that's my day that I do it. And you become a better teacher in doing that because that in, in doing that, you're actually using a whole bunch of teacher skills so that you can be a better teacher. You know, I, I can I can only imagine if you're spending a hundred hours every day on lesson plans. Um, it, it's like how much of that hundred hours are you really putting towards like the lesson plan? Or like you said, like I'm fixing the march and you know, <laughs> but you know, you have to go in and you have to hit it hard and you have to get it done. And I love that. That's saying yes to being the best version and the most effective version of yourself while still using the, the teacher whetstone to sharpen those skills. Awesome limit. I love that. Yes. Uh, and also considering the fact too, uh, you know, you want to build an awesome school experience every day, all day. Mm -hmm. But we tend to think as teachers, either a semester at a time or a year at a time, how do I get through this year, this semester? And we don't think five years at a time or 10 years at a time. So if I were to say, you know what? Uh, for the next five years, I'm going to come up with one amazing lesson a week, just one, and then I will coach one sport and do one after school activity, and that'll be my limit for the year. I do this over five years. Now I have five amazing lessons every. You know, you're always tweaking them, obviously. And, uh, and you have yeah. like legitimate lesson plans too, because they're ones that have grown with the times. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's Absolutely. not. And I think, too, one of the things, too, that you're hitting on, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with jumping in with both feet, especially if you're younger and you have the time. You know, figure out one of the – you talk about setting limits. Um, setting limits, you can't set limits if you don't know what you, don't, what you like and what you don't like. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with trying a bunch of stuff. And then next year saying, you know what? Hey, uh, principal, I know you're looking at me. To, to, to teach the, 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 the boys basketball team. Uh, I did it last year and I hated every second of it. So this year it's not for me. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that, that's, that's part of just being a teacher and trying, you know, I, I tried it. Didn't work. Uh, you know what? We'll do it next year or we'll do it next week or whatever the case may be. Somebody else take over. For me, thinking about the, the story you told about lesson planning, one of the things I've made my really, really, and I do, I, I can admit freely, I don't commit to this hundred percent all the time. I try my best and, and, and sometimes it means staying a little later at the building, but I try my best to mark at school, to do my marking at school. Either on I'm my, nodding my head right now. Yes, I love that. Or, or staying a little bit later after school. Um, for a number of reasons, uh, number one, just uh, the the nature of the courses I, I teach, um, it can be uh, paper heavy, and I I just I don't like transporting that much of other people's assignments. Oh, Shannon, you didn't do your assignment. No, Mister Polson, I found it on the floor because you dropped. You know, uh, and, um. And the sheer level of, uh, of computer prowess that you need to have to organize everything these days. The, th the Google Classroom suite has made that so much easier. 
Um, but we're not sponsored by Google or anything. It's just, it's really. But if you want to sponsor us, we'll gladly accept. Take it. Um, but no, seriously, the Google Classroom Suite has made that uh, a lot easier, um, especially with the offsite learning that we 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 came through. Um, but it's 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 a grind that takes you away from your family, and it's really really hard um, to 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 have that marking at home. And A, give it a legitimate mark. Oh, excuse me. Give it a legitimate mark when there is a, uh, you know, a, you know, a 10-month-old and a 4-year-old screaming. Give it a legitimate mark when you're trying to, you know, watch the TV. Give it a legitimate, you know what I mean? So one of those limits I had to set was marking happens at the building. It happens at the building. And if that means one night a week I have to stay there until after dinner, Okay, that's one night a week that I'm grinding as opposed to bringing a few things home and not being there. Yeah, and that's great because, again, like the lesson planning, that this is what you've set the limit to. My marking stays at school. So I know when I'm there, there's no time to bug around and, yeah. you know, check my social media feeds 400 times afterwards and my email again. I got to get my marking done because this is my time to do it. Well, there's, now, a, there's a big one you just hit on there, too. Um, you know, in, in a, in an era of time where any student and any parent can get a hold of any teacher at any time, you know, when do you shut off the, the teacher email? When do yeah. you shut? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I, I already got that figured out two years ago. I actually, oh, I throw, I throw it on my website. I tell my students, I set it up right away. It's in my signature, my email. It's that I check my email from 7 a.m. My email is checked from, no, sorry, uh, 7.30 a.m., 5 p.m. I don't check my email outside those hours. Any email sent will be checked the next day. And what I tell my students, I said, what this means to you is that if you email me at 10.30 p.m. the night before an assignment is due, there is a 100% chance I will not see it till the next morning. <laughs> sorry, I can't give you that extension because it's due right now. <laughs> and... And, you, you know, sometimes I break that rule, too, in the event that administration needs to get a hold of me or in the event of a snowstorm and I, I, I think, oh, yeah, OK, I'm not going in tomorrow or, or this morning. Sometimes it gets broken, but that's that's the limit I set. Um, yeah, because, I, again, you're accessible all day. And if there's anything that COVID-19 has taught people when they're in lockdown is that working remotely working from home no matter what your business is is you have to set a parameter on when you're in work mode and home mode otherwise you're done and I, everyone's learning that right now like there has to be a limit uh, yeah. because everyone burns out yep now i want to jump to our next point here so we're setting limits that's that's our first bit there um the second one and, and this one is is a tough one to hear this yeah. one's really tough. All right. This this one right here, I, I don't know how you responded to it when I threw it on the on the notes, but understand you're replaceable. I, All right. All right. That's a good thing. And that's a good thing. Understand that, you know, when we have these meetings and the teacher leaves, it's like, oh, it's a big loss that you're leaving. They're never going to be able to replace you. And the answer is yes, they will. There's somebody there to replace them. In fact, there's already someone hired. 
And they're younger and probably better. <laughs> well, maybe younger, maybe better, maybe older, maybe better. I don't know. But the point is you are replaceable. All right? And, and, and not, not you as in your personality, programs you've built, things you do. That part of you is not replaceable. So no one is going to be – Christopher Polson leaves his school. No one is going to be the next Christopher Polson. Your position will be filled, though, yeah. and somebody will take over what you're doing. It's funny that you say this. Um, I, had a, I had a student um, – this year actually and it happens and, and i i give this speech a few times and someone has said you know this wonderful this wonderful uh kind of send off from her grad who you know you you know you make the school this that really kind words um and to that i always and i mean always say um no uh if I were to get hit by a bus and die, you know, I knock on wood, um, oh, they'd probably that. they'd probably have a really, really like, yeah, there'd probably be a pretty good send off in the gymnasium. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> they play like Sarah McLaughlin's "I Will Remember," you know, the whole nine yards. Um, but like within a year, two years. I would be completely forgotten. And that's because that's how schools are. You know, it's the teachers stay for a long time. The students cycle through. Um, and I think it's so important that like we are replaceable. Um, so we, if we're sick, you know, well, I take this out of the death thing now, but you know what I mean? That's just the big, the big mm. example is that like, we think we have this massive responsibility and we do to the people who are in our room at the time, but like any warm blooded person who really cares can do the things we're doing and, we, and we're replaceable. And that gives me comfort because it means that like when I'm ready to be done, I can be done and happily be done because I know that kids are in good hands, you know? Um, so, and then I, I link this too. If you want to talk about burnout, um, <clears throat> you know, who, you know, a teacher comes in and they're a little bit sick, but they want to grind it out. Um, you don't need to grind it out because those are the things like not dealing with your own personal afflictions gets you to the burnout stage. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like you, you have to take care of yourself. You have to. And we're so afraid to do that. It's like, no, no, no. I got to be there because my students need a review and I need to be there to let them know what's coming up. It's like, well, yeah, they probably will miss you. You probably will do a better job than whoever will replace you for that day. But at some point, you got to let it go. Like the school, it's their job to figure out what to do when you're not there. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I look at some of the, the education programs today and just the en entry point or just the, the, the entry point for someone to be a teacher today. In some programs, that bar is pretty high, and it's kind of like to get hired nowadays, you kind of have to be a superstar right off the bat. Um, and I use that term superfluously, like not like you have to be famous and an influencer or anything like that. 
but I'm glad, I'm glad I'm not teaching coming into the industry in this age because <laughs> like I, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, there, there, there's a lot we've learned about education and there's a lot that uh, new teachers kind of expect and want to do and hope to change. You know, as a new teacher, always looking to change the world and change education and, and you know, be a huge influence. And, you know, far be it for me to say, well, too bad because you're going to be replacing me and look what I've done and you ain't going to keep up with that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's part of it is, is our own caring personality, but part of it is our ego too. It's like, no, no, no one could do what I do. And and the the answer the response is, yeah, no one can do what you do, but they will do something else. And they don't have to do what you do because luckily we're all on the same curriculum. <laughs> They'll get the same outcome. <laughs> um, but no, I, I – and how many times have you – like I, I'm thinking about my career at least once a year. I have had a conversation with somebody who in some way, shape, or form has said to me uh, a facsimile of – I've been sick for like three months. Mm-hmm. I just can't get over this. But they're also a person who, you know, they're not taking a sick day. They're saying yes to absolutely everything. They're burning the candle at both ends, as we talked about. And not more than what, like, you know, they have the they have the 50-ended candle. Um and that I think I think sickness really is a huge contributor to burnout, and I think the sickness is really caused by the fatigue of not dealing with the issues that we we come up with um, in the industry in terms of our personal health in 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 the realm of burnout. Yes, yes, uh, and that's actually like very very important, very important. We just mental, always... health, mental health too and that's become more and more prominent uh in in kind of modern teaching i think and, and we have to be on it and, and that's why i'm like okay you you are replaceable and that's a good thing that's a good thing like it's not like you should come in like oh well you know no one's gonna replace me it's like no you know what somebody to take over they might not do what i was hoping my vision was what i was hoping to do but they'll 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 do something it's so they'll figure fun. it out it's gonna be fine they're gonna keep going there's there'll be another person up and coming i think we mentioned this uh, in another podcast you know there can only be one best teacher in canada yeah. in the u.s in the world okay there can only be one and unless one. you're unless you're striving for that where you really are irreplaceable because it's like oh yeah are you going to replace the best teacher in the world like, but i don't think the same person's ever won two years in a row either <laughs> <laughs> no no i are nominated for that point uh, i i so, have I, I have a I have a plaque that has I can't remember what the it was a it was like a like an excellence award for something and like it's from 2015. That doesn't mean I've been going downhill since 2015. <laughs> it, it just means that in 2015, you know, the other nominees weren't as good. <laughs> like you know what I you know what I mean? Oh, stop, stop building yourself, you know. But you know you're, what I mean? You're gonna be nominated for that World Teacher Award. Don't worry, I did I'm, I'm putting the papers in now. But that that's the point I'm trying to trying to make about giving ourselves that break. Like, you know. It doesn't mean that I'm awful now. It just means that that year, that 
I was the person in the hat who won, just like last year's best teacher in the world. I'm sure, I, I almost guarantee, I almost guarantee that even the person who wins the best teacher in the world is probably not the actual best teacher in the world. If you look at the myriads of people who don't get nominated or myriads sure. of people who don't even know about the award, I didn't until we talked about it. Um, you know, so we have to cut ourselves some slack. We do, we do. And I, I mean, and I'm going to use one example, then we'll move on. Let's take a look at a company, Apple, Steve Jobs. We hold him up as the highest regard of a CEO who took, you know, this company built it up, changed the world, and then came back to it and really changed the world. And then, you know, he passed away. Like, you can't replace Steve Jobs. You can't, but they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> you know, Apple's still going. And yeah. and people, you know, it's not the same without Steve. No, it isn't. It's different now. And, you know, some people are upset with the as decisions they're making. As a consumer, I feel I, I it's been no difference. Right. It's right, because, you know, the company has already kind of set what it's going to do. And that's what education does. What we're trying to do is not make ourselves irreplaceable. We're trying to make education, get to education to a point where anybody could jump in and take over. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is what Steve Jobs did with Apple. It's like Tim Cook knew how to carry the vision of Apple. Yeah. And that's what education is about. Somebody's going to come in and carry the vision of what your education system's about. So don't carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Don't do you that. are replaceable. That's a good thing. Um, don't accept it and move on. Ex accept it, accept it, and, and move on. That doesn't mean you should always be worried about being fired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, you know, you st still still aim to be a good teacher. We're not saying you know just set back and be like, yeah, no, yeah. Don't aim to be replaced. Just know that you don't have to carry the world on your shoulders. You got to take care of yourself first. Take care of yourself, please. All right, next point, Christopher. Moving wanna, on. Want to want to kickstart that one? Yeah. So uh, it's your job to do what you can with students. It's not your job to solve all the problems that are outside of your control. Um, what it boils down to being is forget about being everything to everyone, uh, because no one can be that. You, you know, you can't. If you try to be that, you are going to be overcome. You're going to be overcome. And, and, and my point to this, really, I think is that, um, you know, there's a reason we have protocols and hierarchies in our schools. And there's, you know, we, we got to use them. We have to use them. Um, yeah, I know what it's like when there's a kid who comes to you crying because they feel like their world is crashing down and you want to solve all their problems. But sometimes... Sometimes, and, and I'd say, you know, you need to really be, you really need to be vigilant about this. It's not your problem to solve. <laughs> if it's a low-level problem where there is no kind of red flags being shown, you can't solve a kid's problem. I mean, sometimes you can. Sometimes a kid just needs a, yeah, you're upset because you don't do work, and then you get overwhelmed when it's all not done do your work. That's a problem you can solve. But when the heavy things come to you, that's why we have counselors. That's why we have CSTs. That's why we have a hierarchy of people. If, if you can't let other people's A, issues, and B, jobs, you can't think that they're yours to deal with. You, no, you can't, you 
can't do it. And, and and there's an expectation that teachers will fill this role. You're the first contact for students, which is wonderful. That's a responsibility. So when a student comes to you and says, uh, Mr. McKenzie, you know, I, I do you have any food? I don't have any at home. Okay, we well, you know what? As a caring, compassionate human being, the first thing I'm going to do is go into my lunch and give the student some food, like whatever I can give. And then I'm going to escalate that up being like, get this kid some food in their house right now and figure out what's going on. And I, and I got to put that there. I can follow up with the student later, yep. but I, I, I can't, like, that's what I can you're not, do. You're not doing a home visit. Yeah, I'm not going you're over not there. an extra banana every single day, you know? And, and some teachers do that. And it's like, you know, if I understand where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from. Your students are trusting you. You want to be there for them. Mm-hmm. But at, at some point, um, you got to say, okay, I can only do what I can right now. Yeah. And I, I really need you to see this person. And I need this person to see you. And sometimes that might take a while. So you, you have to be willing to say, well, maybe the problem is bigger than even I or this system can handle. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's it. Some There's some problems that are systemically out of our control and and i think it goes back to what we talked about in episode one too um really you gotta be a light post and a street sign um you you can't be the construction crew that's building the road um because you know if we talk about our life as cups we only have so much liquid to give right um yeah and there's a term for it too i think it's called compassion fatigue yeah, you, you, you can't give what you don't have. You can't get so, like you said, when a student comes to you and their world is falling apart, you feel for them, Absolutely. of course. You but feel you, for them. You cannot, um, you can't solve their problems. Yeah. And, and, and that being said, like we talked about, like there are solvable problems, but you cannot allow the that you need to be able to put that in your folder and you need to be able to go home and deal with you. And not dwell and dwell and dwell and dwell. It doesn't mean you don't love the student. It means that you are doing the best for them by taking care of yourself. And, and giving what you can when you can. Yep. Like you said, right off the bat, you can't be everything for everyone. Because mm-hmm. you're going to be nothing to everyone at that point. And, and if that's like, I, I don't know. If your goal coming into teaching is to be everything to everyone... I don't necessarily think that like teaching is the, is the career for you, you know, like, and I'm not saying that's as a bad thing either. I'm saying like, you know, there are careers where you have to be everything to everyone who comes in your door. Um, and, and just, you can't do that with teaching. You have to be something for everyone and do your best for everyone. But if you were to throw your whole life into every single thing that comes by you, in the span of a day, a week, a month, a year, um, we're going towards burnout. And this whole episode is about avoiding burnout. And avoiding burnout is caring, but also realizing that you need to care about yourself. You need to care about you. Um, you know, I've, I've, you know, cried over students. I've, I've had issues, but then I pick myself up, and I deal with me. Yes. Yes, and. and, and- for many people listening, like you guys are 
selfish bastards like and, and and that's how it's coming across it's like well no like like you said we we've cried with our students we've worked with them we we go out there for them and we're speaking from a point where we've burnt out trying to be that teacher for everyone and how like if 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 little if little johnny is going through it and i let his going through it destroy me well then come monday morning i'm going to be nothing for the kid and and then not only that then i'm nothing for my family yeah you know i'm burning out with my students at school and i want the best for them but as a teacher i can't turn that off so i go home and about you know i'm, I'm draining them spiraling down and what happens then i have nothing for my family mm-hmm. so you can call me a jerk for saying okay you're not burning out for your students um you should burn out for your family like well, so it's about it's about avoiding the burnout, right? Yeah, it's about avoiding the burnout, and that's why, like I said at the start of this particular point, that's why we have counselors and classroom support teachers and stuff like that. So when something is so big and heavy that it's affecting you, there are people to go to that you're not passing the buck of the problem; you're giving it to the people who are trained to deal with that. Yes, exactly. They are trained to deal with it, and more of those people are coming into the school systems unless there's cuts but and you guess know, what that's, that's, another an act, that's an act of love and i'm going to tell you why that's an act of love it's an act of love because it might mean that that student isn't happy with you it yes might mean that, that yes. student ends up hating you because oh i got this thing and i really just want to tell you but you have the love and compassion to say, no, this kid needs this. Yes. That's an act of love because it's, it's one of those, it's one of those acts of uh, agape love where it's willing the best for the other. Um, And, and, and when we, when we teach with that understanding of love, that helps us from, from becoming burnt out, I think. Oh, oh, completely agree. And yes, you know, when you send, when you, send a student to a person that can give them the proper help yeah they're probably going to hate you they're probably going to go online and be like this is this teacher ruined my life and blah 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 right Don't like what te- what right. teenager hasn't said that about their parents my parents ruined my life because they turned off my wi-fi at nine <laughs> o'clock right? or whatever right it's <laughs> this is the first time that many young people are dealing with big issues mm-hmm. and they don't know how to work through it. So yeah. their, their brains they aren't come. there yet. And so they come to you and then they need someone to blame and vent on. And an act of love is saying, I can't deal with this. This person can. So you can hate me all you want. Mm-hmm. But for the fact that I love you and want to see the best for you, this is what I'm doing for you. Yep. Yep. Oh, that was heavy. Oh. Um, you know what? Moving on. Stay physically healthy, eat right, exercise, sleep, uh, meditate. Uh, okay. Let, let's, let's, let's jump into this. Um, cause you know what? I actually, I, I'm really happy. This is a point because during our offsite learning during COVID-19 pandemic, um, a lot of this stuff went to the wayside because I, I basically, I did, I didn't exercise at completely. Like, I mean, I, there was no gyms open and I, and and it was a lot of sitting. It was a lot of, uh, you know, you didn't necessarily eat the best type thing. 
And because of that, I've gained a little bit of weight. I'm starting to lose it again now. But I went through a really dark period because literally I wasn't keeping myself in a right, like healthy kind of mindset, kind of, kind of being, um, definitely wasn't sleeping as good. That was a hundred percent affected to the point where I had to like, stop, recognize it, look in the mirror. Oh my goodness. Um, that that's one that's hitting me right now because I'm in the process of reversing it. Um, yes. Yes. And, and, you know, every single person who studies human biology to tell you what is it, how can you have the healthiest body growing up to counteract the effects, the, the negative effects of aging? Same thing. Eat right, exercise, get proper sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, like these, these are things that we, we know we just, we have to act upon them because they, they affect your physical and mental health. And so hey, much. Guess what? First, second year teachers staying at the school till 10 p.m. every single night is not making you a better teacher. It's making you a more tired and stressed teacher. I hate to tell you that. Your lesson plans are going to be absolutely fine no matter if you spend one hour or 10 hours on them. You know? <laughs> yes. And, and, and you know what? There's nothing worse than spending 10 hours on a lesson plan and having it fail. And they do. They and they do. That's why, you know, I. Side note, I like to do a minute. If I'm doing a new lesson, I do its basic bare bones, see if it works, and then I adjust rather than spending yeah. 10 hours and then feeling like it all bombed. Just well, that's a th- yeah, like my and in even my lesson planning, uh, my, my lesson planning format that I use personally is like meticulous in terms of like, um, I have specific cues for myself to go on tangents. Uh, you you know what I mean? Like I'm very meticulous like that, but the first time I do them, I didn't spend all the time. I did the bare bones one and then hit a tangent and then said, wait, no, that's better than the lesson. And then added the tangent to the lesson. You know, you have to, you have to go in with the skeleton before you get the muscle. Yes. Yes. Which is, can take us back to exercise. And, And honestly, exercise doesn't have to be something so oh my goodness i gotta go to a gym or i gotta put aside an hour it could be something simple as just go for a walk just go for a half an hour walk okay get get outside get some fresh air get do something physical Mm. if there's you know they they did a study of like a hundred of the world's greatest thinkers or whatever that list is to try to see their habits to see if there's one consistency among any of them and there wasn't the only thing, though, that they did notice is that every single one of those people took a walk every day. Got to take a walk. That's it. They, they, they took a walk. So it's like some of them are night owls, some of them are morning owls, some of them slept a lot, some of them slept less, some of them drank coffee, some of them didn't. But the one thing they, they all noticed is they all took a walk. They, 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 something about being outside, getting fresh air, getting that exercise, getting your head back in place. Getting so out, important. Getting, getting out. Getting out. And then like eating right, you know, and... And that doesn't mean I have to jump on the latest diet fad or I need to go to this particular. It also doesn't mean that you stop takeout Tuesday. No, no, it doesn't mean that. No, no, we don't stop takeout Tuesday. Keep it at takeout Tuesday, not takeout any day. <laughs> Moderation, right? Moderation. It doesn't have to be go all in. You just you start to be just conscious of what you're putting into you. Yep. Uh, now, one point I do want to bring up because you said meditation. 
as a person who's been studying the contemplative life and been immersed in it since I was 14, 15 years old, uh, really deep in the mysticism of the, the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and, and Judaism as well, studying the Kabbalah and really taken upon that meditation practice from a variety of angles. I, I am bothered, bothered and upset by the fact that meditation is sold as a cure. Oh, okay. And that it's and that it's packaged kind of the way it is. It's this deep. You sit. You know what I mean? Um, you, okay. Yeah. So I want to make draw the record clear. Meditation is a good practice. It's a discipline. Mm-hmm. It you know it keeps you focused. It it sets your mind to things that um, for me it sets your mind to spiritual things. Put your mind in place. It doesn't give you magical powers. Oh, no. You're not (laughs) shooting spells out of your hand or, oh, I'm so calm now. Yes. It doesn't make you all of a sudden a perfectly balanced human being that can, you know, just do anything. That's not its intention. It's a practice. It's a discipline. I I am definitely like, you know, not as angry from doing it. And I know when I'm missing my practice a lot because I'm, you know, I'm Italian, so... I have pencil dropping will set me off. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, one of the things about it, and I share this with young people too, whenever I introduce meditation to the classroom, I have probably been like yourself studying the con- contemplative life and, 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 and participating in the practice of meditation for probably close to 20 years. I, I firmly believe that the longest that I can be in meditation is actually just under five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think people, when they want to start to calm their life, they think it's about closing your eyes and sitting cross-legged for three hours type thing. I I don't think that my meditation, my legitimate I'm, I don't want to get cheesy, but like my in the zone, like I'm there. Um, I don't think I've ever even hit the five minute mark, but in that three minutes and 47 seconds, four minutes and 20 seconds, two minutes and two seconds, the work that's been done has, 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 has moved mountains within me. Um, but it, it never, it never, it never canceled the external stimuli of the things that make me feel like i have to be and should be meditating yes yes and, and that's what that's what if you really study meditation it's it's meant to set you on your way for the day yeah so even if you can work your way up to 10 minutes in the morning that's the first thing you do yeah that that sets your mind for the day because that that's what the discipline is about because when you wake up in the morning we're thinking okay, okay i gotta get up i gotta do my breakfast i gotta do that and you're, you're running your list and meditation is a discipline of practice to say no you're going to just be here be present and you're you know you're going to put your mind to something else and then you can go on with your day yeah. it's and not it also, some magic cure it also doesn't mean you might be completely completely empty allowing your breath to anchor you staring into the void with the void about to expose something to you that you really needed. And then your four-year-old son smashes a plate and the baby's crying and you are taken out of it directly into anger. It doesn't mean that's not going to happen, 
but it still helps you. It's, you know, the practice sets you so that like, you know, where normally you would have lost your marbles, you're able to be like, okay, I'm angry. And now I'm, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and so, and, that, and that's what we're hitting on here. It's that meditation is a great practice. It's a wonderful discipline. You and I have been at it for many years, decades. Uh, people have been at it for decades longer than us. Yep. But don't expect it to be the cure for everything. You still got to eat healthy, exercise, get sleep, I think that's all that other stuff. You got to get your life in order. Otherwise, all meditation is is just one more thing you're cramming in your day, and it's <laughs> not going to do a damn thing for you. And, and and the thing is, like when you when you come out of meditation, you're still in the world. <laughs> you know, the, the the things that anger you didn't leave. The people that rub you the wrong way didn't you didn't like puff them out of existence because <laughs> you're a good meditator, you know. But like I think I think your your point is being heard loud and clear from me, and I think it's a great one. It's not a cure all. It's not a cure all. No, but, it's, no. but it certainly is a practice that if you're not doing it, I I, I would recommend it if you are of the. Uh, if you are of the religious uh, lean, you know, a spiritual meditation is, is huge. Uh, if you need help with your meditation, um, you know, there's so many wonderful Lectio Divinas available. Uh, there's so many different types of meditation and guides and stuff like that that can help you get into it. Um, yeah, so and, and don't, don't, yeah, and don't burn yourself out. Don't go right to a bash, to, sorry, the passion of meditation, the like our, well, oh. no, don't. Yeah, don't 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 jump to that. Do start simple. Start very and, and, simple. Well, like I said, I can't. I I'm serious. I'm not joking. I don't think I've ever hit, um, like legitimate, like real deep meditation. I don't think I've ever been able to hit even five minutes. But those one minute thirty seven seconds, those three minute twenty seconds, they they do it for me. Good. Good. That, that that's that's good though, and and that's important. Uh -huh. You don't hit whatever long. Start simple. Work your way out. See what works for you. So um, that covers that point. And I think our last point here. Um, well, it kind uh, of brings us full circle to what we started talking about too, about what we wanted, like our hierarchy of yeses. What What do you mean? Well, you know, our last point here, as we jump into it, uh, you know, have some hobbies. Oh, okay. Sorry, you jumped in the last point. Oh, sorry. You have to say. No, I, I thought you were still transitioning from meditation and and staying physically healthy. I'm no, like, huh? No, no. I, sorry, did I jump too too quickly? No, no. I'm just tired. <laughs> I need to get my sleep. Yeah. No, I know you're different time zone killing you. Uh, no, no, it's good. But yeah, so you're right. I think I think it comes back around full circle to the hierarchy of yeses, because when you start to get to know you and the stuff that you like, you're going to be able to, you know, have things to look forward to outside of the school. And you're going to be able to have things that you want to say yes to. And luckily, we are living in probably like the best time for being interested in stuff. Yes, yes. And, and so I remember I, as a summer school job, the Ford assembly plant just outside my hometown. They hired students for the summer. And that's when everyone took their vacation and students were the perfect hire. They didn't want to work longer than the summer anyway. And you could rotate them on different jobs in the line. And you got paid union wages. Like I would make enough in the summer to pay my all my school bills for the year. It was amazing. And 
I remember being on the line once and someone was talking to me and well, there's a few stories in the line that really <laughs> helped me out. No, no, they actually really helped me out. Like some no, pretty yeah. amazing insight. Uh, but the one I want to talk to today in this podcast in particular is this one person, she was telling me, she goes, listen, there are some people who retire from this job and they come back every day at the same time, sit down at the same spot they've had in the line, drink their morning coffee and chat with everybody for hours, right? And the fact is a line worker doesn't live much longer after they retire. I'm like, that's brutal. Like, why? She goes, well, you, you need to have hobbies. You need to have something else you do when you leave here. You need to have something to look forward to when you retire. Like, that's it. Like, when you leave here, this should stay here. You need to have something to else to look forward to. These guys have nothing. That's why they keep coming back here. That's why they're going to pass away within five years of retiring. Mm-hmm. Because they have nothing else that they go to at the end of the at the end of the day and so that's why with teaching what could really help with burnout is to say okay you know what this day was rough this day's done but man tonight is improv night yeah right <laughs> i'm gonna go on michael scott on this one everyone's gonna get a good on that. <laughs> yeah no for sure for sure um <laughs> you know the little things that get like uh, improv night tonight's D night tonight is 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 men's league hockey tonight is uh, I have a tea time. I, t- you know, whatever it is, get something. Yes, just just have something to say. And I know the the, the common thing is, oh, we're going for for beverages after work today. That's a good social thing, but yeah. it's not quite a hobby that you look forward to. You look yeah. forward to having that drink, but then you're going home and you're going to still think about your day. Yeah, and 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 uh, like. You know, when you're just sitting and and you're you're having having wobbly pops with the with your with your buddies from work, you're talking about school. Yeah, oh, for sure. Teachers can't stop talking about school. No, no, and then, and then the only teacher that talks more about school, aside from a teacher who loves school, is a teacher who doesn't like school. <laughs> <laughs> like, we can't stop talking about school find something else find find some things you can do <clears throat> yes what, whatever that hobby is like just have it to look forward to huh. back to the yeses okay actually plan it i, I want to take up ballet you know and i'm so wednesday and friday nights are, are ballet practice for me not like i have to attend that and so I look forward to that. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, my, my, you know, my, my kids have their things, but they're going to have to figure it out or get around to somebody else. Cause that's my hobby. I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And I, so I, that's I, so important. Have something for you, a hobby for you to look forward to. Yeah. Or hobbies, you know, things, you know, I think I've I, taught, like, there's such a wonderful variety. Oh, I'm, I'm just looking at this wonderful variety of, of my son who's obviously been down here in uh, playing with some of the Legos he's not supposed to play with. Yeah, I'm, I'm that dad because I just saw the Millennium Falcon's uh, radar satellite not on the Millennium Falcon. Uh, 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 luckily, I love him. Enough to remove your Millennium Falcon, though? Well, I mean, like, I... I I put it back on. It's it's back on, but uh, but that just goes to it. Like you know, like when I'm in the Lego zone, like I'm not getting burnt out on school because I don't know school exists. <laughs> you know, 
Um, but yeah, I, I think I think creating a hierarchy of yeses in your life is so important because you know the more things that you are able to say yes to, the more variety you have in your life. Variety is the spice of life, and if you have a lot of things going on, well then. When that one aspect of your life really troubled you that day, and yeah, maybe it is your job, and that's a very important aspect of your life. We have a lot of yeses that can put band-aids on hurts, you know. You have a lot of yeses that can be the polysporin into a hurt on your heart, or a hurt on your stress, or a hurt on your mind. Um, and and it, it's important because when we're talking about burnout, um, I find I find conversations about burnout and stuff like that are very like burnout it's a thing uh but anyone who's been right in it knows that it's 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 one of the worst things you can experience in your professional and personal life because it it, it has far reaches and so what we're really trying to say today is like you know recognize it and 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 make a move on it you know make a move in terms of the things you can do pre-burnout make a move in terms of the things you can do in uh, in burnout inducing situations in that classroom with those difficult students, with those things that you think you need to fix and then give yourself some things to do after the moments have passed. You know, um, I think it's important that we look at it as, and, and we can't give a recipe. And, and the fact of the matter is um, I wish that in this conversation here, people could be like, okay, if I check off all these boxes that Chris and Vito talked about, I won't get burnt out. You can have a hierarchy of yeses. You can have a rich life afterwards. You can be doing your best in the class. You can be doing everything you can do. It can still affect you. It can still hit you. Um, it can. It can. And, and then that's why we, we, we talk about these as items to look at, to do, to implement in your life mm -hmm. so that you can come out of situations. There are always going to be points in your life when it's chaotic and crazy yeah. and, and just you're stretched thin. But these are the things if you put in place now, and you work on them slowly. You don't have to do them all at once. Yeah, like just start putting them in. You will bounce back so much faster. You will be able to recognize when you're on the verge of burnout and be like, whoa, I need to put the brakes on here and push my way back. Push my and, way back. And I, I think it's really important to to we like we are talking about this from people who are in the field from for our own personal experiences. Um, but we are also not. Uh, we are not counselors. We are not uh, psychologists. Um, but both of us, I, I, I think I speak for both of us when I say like, if you are uh, in the throes of a burnout situation in that beautiful spiral, you know, um, you know, I think both of us would, would recommend also like speaking with counselors, you know, uh, find the people who we, we would, you know, send students to if we thought there was an issue, you know, take care of your mental health, you know? Yes, because I know on my board, there are actually people who are hired yep. for teachers specifically yep. on this count. So that's, that's an excellent point. Yes. Yep. Go see those same supports. Uh, one, one practical takeaway I want for, for the classroom. This is uh, just a side, a bonus one. And this is advice that I, I heard a long time ago. And it never really made sense to me and, until it did. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. But one thing you can start implementing in your classroom is that, tell me if this sounds familiar. You go, you do your day. At the end of the day, the students are up, they're running around, they're running in the halls, they're screaming, they're going home, they're bouncing off the walls, and you are just slumping in your chair, tired. Ooh. Ask yourself this question. Who did all the work in the classroom that day? You or the students? 
we talk about teachers as managers, we talk about classroom management, but management makes decisions and the workers do the work. So who is actually doing the work in your classroom? Yeah. And if you could start shifting that in your classroom today, you might see a little a bit of a change in mm-hmm. your your energy at the end of the day versus theirs. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, get a good night's sleep. <laughs> Unless you have two young children who oh, just no, I, I, I like that point too. And, and and that doesn't mean if you're the style of the teacher who if you're a style of teacher who's very active, you it doesn't mean stop that. But it means what's the goal of that? What's the goal of your activity? What's it leading to? I love yeah, no Vito. I think that's a wonderful practical takeaway. I guess my practical takeaway from this is to um and I've said it before, um I've said it. I, I, I haven't said it before, but I've 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 alluded to it. You know, you find out that you're in the beautiful spiral when you when it hits you. You know, it's it's important to do some self check, to check in with you. It's important to check in with yourself and ask yourself how you're feeling. Um, I think I think that to me, that's my practical takeaway from this. Um, how am I feeling? And if I don't like how I'm feeling. What can I do? Who can I speak to? What activities can I do? What can get me back to being the person that I want to be? Very nice. Love it. Love it. All right, Chris. Well, it has been a pleasure speaking with you again. Always a pleasure. Uh, To all of you out there, please take care of yourself and really check in with yourself. Make sure you're doing okay. And we will catch you next week when we're going to talk about joy versus structure. The Unapologist Podcast.